0: Pepperidge Farm Milano. Available now from iHeart, a new series presented by T-Mobile for Business, The Restless Ones. Join me, Jonathan Strickland, as I explore the coming technological revolution with the restless business leaders who stand right on the cutting edge. They know there is a better way to get things done, and they are ready, curious, excited for the next technological innovation to unlock their vision of the future. In each episode, we'll learn more from the Restless Ones themselves and dive deep into how the 5G revolution could enable their teams to thrive. The Restless Ones is now available on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm editor Candace Gibson, joined today as always by Josh Clark. Yes, you are. Josh, I'm going to turn the tables on mm. you a little bit. I know that you usually like to ask me questions. I love it, but I have one for you. Okay. What happened to Mordecai?
1: Mordecai the donkey.
0: Mordecai the donkey. You
1: know, I know what you're talking about. Mordecai the donkey, the um, the official first official live mascot. At the DNC, the, the Democratic uh, National Convention, he was debuted in January, right? And then dropped off the face of the planet. Uh, ultimately, to answer your question, I have no idea what happened to Mordecai. He may have had an accident in the Grand Canyon that was oh, covered no. up by, you know, uh, uh, Democratic spinsters. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I'm hoping Mordecai's okay, but I have not seen nor heard uh, hide nor hair from him.
0: If any of you listening know what happened to Mordecai, I'm dying to know if that little ass made it to the Mile High City. So especially Barack Obama, if you have time, if you could just give me a call, mm-hmm. that'd be fabulous. Um, in other news, <laughs> there, as far as I know, was never an elephant slated to appear at the Republican National Convention.
1: No, I hadn't I hadn't heard anything about that. It was all Mordecai. Yeah. And maybe maybe that's what it was. Maybe, you know. Mordecai was going to steal the spotlight, and the powers that be said, oh. hey, hey, if if the GOP isn't going to have an elephant, you guys can't have Mordecai there.
0: Well, it's equal media coverage. It's actually a law
1: mm-hmm. handed yeah.
0: down by the FCC. Is that right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There, There's a loophole here or there, but, yeah, the, the, they have to have equal media coverage for candidates. Mm-hmm. I don't know that um, other mammals – are are involved in that at all? If they're if the FCC extended it that far, but it could be a safe bet, I would say.
0: Well, even without the mammals, those things were zoos enough. There was a lot going on, <laughs> yeah. a lot flying around. So
1: you've been paying attention to the to the conventions?
0: I have. I certainly have. The big question: Sarah Palin, hair up, hair down? Who knows?
1: Yeah, you never you never can tell with her, can you? Nope. No, but um, did you find it a little odd that that there was going to be a donkey? At the convention?
0: Well, I'm a petting zoo aficionado, so at any opportunity a live mammal appears that I can scratch under its chin. Mm -hmm. That's fine with me. But yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, these things aren't exactly austere ceremonies, but they are pretty serious. It's a time for business, and so you have to wonder why a donkey?
1: Why would you lead a braying jackass into a uh, national party convention? Josh, we're we're
0: talking about mammals at the conventions?
1: Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) Wait, yeah, so was I.
0: <laughs> oh, my oh, okay. bad. <laughs> okay. okay, all right.
1: Yeah, I see what you're saying now. Well, you know, I mean, uh, the donkey's not even the official um, mascot of the Democratic Party. Did you know that?
0: I did know that.
1: But did you know that the GOP actually did, uh, at one point, adopt the elephant as its uh, official mascot? A true story. Okay, so um, I had heard, actually, at one point in time that... Uh, neither party created this, this symbol. They they were just kind of there and associated with it and it all came down to one uh, journalist an editorial cartoonist named Thomas Nast. Is that fact or fiction?
0: That's it's it's faction. It's sort of fact. It's sort of fiction. Nice. Uh Thomas Nast, he was German-born, he moved to New York City when he was six, Mm -hmm. and New York City has always been a real center for political and cultural and social hubbub, and so from a very young age, he was infused and positively, you know, swept up in all these ideals, and he showed artistic talent at a very young age, Mm -hmm. and it sort of blossomed into a, a great political cartoonist's career. And he certainly adopted the donkey for the Democrats, but he can't take credit for first assigning that animal to oh, he, them. he
1: wasn't the first then?
0: Not with the donkey. Back oh, okay. in 1837, there was another political cartoon. I'm not sure who drew it, mm-hmm. but this one depicted President Andrew Jackson... Well, former President Andrew Jackson, really, still trying to well, sway...
1: now dead President Andrew well, Jackson, yeah. super former.
0: <laughs> super, super former, still trying to influence Democrats, even though he'd already left the White House, and said so the Democratic Party was portrayed as a donkey, and he was sort of pulling on it, and the donkey is a stereotypically stubborn animal, mm-hmm. and so that showed the dichotomy there between the lack of influence and the unwillingness to be influenced, and sort of stuck... You so, know, so
1: Nast picked that up and and started using it.
0: Well, he ran with it to a certain extent. He used the donkey to portray democratic journalists and specifically copperheads.
1: Oh yeah, the uh, anti anti war. Yeah. Anti-union, uh, and I think in Ness' opinion, racist uh, northerners, right?
0: Right, right. He was not fond of them at all. And so a donkey seemed the perfect animal to show, you know, sort of stubbornly and relentlessly clinging to very dead ideals. And one of the cartoons that he drew that featured this um Copperhead representation was right after Edwin Stanton had died. And mm-hmm. that was Lincoln's secretary of war yeah. during the Civil War. And it showed the donkey sort of kicking his corpse, and it wasn't Edwin Stan's corpse, it was a lion yeah. that essentially embodied him, but he used the donkey to sort of turn the party on its head and make statements about the press and, and really put the press in a bad light, and another of his cartoons, it showed the donkey clad in a lion's costume mm-hmm. trying to scare off all the other animals around, and um, this but, was back when Ulysses S. Grant was up for his third term re-election.
1: Right, right. So the uh, the donkey in that case uh, represented a, a – it was the press again, wasn't it? Yeah, sort a- of a foolhardiness. It was, it was stirring up the other animals in the forest. Right. But there was an elephant in that cartoon, yeah. too, wasn't there?
0: Another one of the animals in the cartoon was the Republican elephant, and we're not really sure what the elephant is supposed to symbolize as far as the Republican Party goes. I mean, there are certainly generalizations that we make about elephants. Um, do they really scare easily? Do they never forget? Um, do they have fabulous trunks.
1: Well, I, one of the things I noticed from Ness's cartoons is that it's almost like uh, he assigns uh, the attribute he's looking for to the either the donkey or the elephant based on you know his his feeling or what he's trying to convey at that moment. There there doesn't seem to be any particular part of either of those animals that he felt embodied the. Uh, each party, mm-hmm. which I mean, really probably by now would have switched anyway, right? Because didn't, did, weren't Republicans formerly social liberals in in NASS time?
0: Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And now they're social conservatives.
1: Yes. Yes. Agreed. Generally, <laughs> sure. Yeah.
0: Generally, right. Um, and one of the more famous instances of the elephant being used, it's sort of clumsy and it's it's stumbling. Mm-hmm. It's about to fall into a pit that's labeled. I think. Um, Oh, gosh, what is it labeled?
1: Like inflation and and chaos and, you know, instant death, that kind of
0: thing. Yeah, that sort of thing. So he did use them to his advantage. And what's interesting about Nash is that even though he was a journalist, he worked at Harper's Weekly 24 years. I think that was 1862 to 86. Mm -hmm. He was not unbiased. You know, today we would like to think that most journalists are unbiased, sure, sure, but um, he was not. He made his opinions very well known. And,
1: and apparently the uh, other members of the press did as well, like the, the Copperhead Democrat press. Mm-hmm. They, I think back in those days, everybody kind of had their own uh, voice, their own outlet, you know. And you're starting to see a similar division today, don't you agree, where you know, the the right is has its own news outlets and the left has its own as well.
0: I think that's perfectly natural. I mean, people want to read things that align with their own points of view. Sure. And what's interesting about Nast is that he really did levy these cartoons to work for his advantage and I don't know if I'd go so far as to say that his cartoons were propaganda. I think they were making definitive political statements. But I don't know that he was trying to corral people into his corner like a piece of propaganda would. Even though he did create the uh, character of Uncle Sam that we know very Mm -hmm. well. And that did grace... The image, at least, uh, grazed the front of a very famous piece of propaganda, the I want you poster.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and also when you look at Nast's cartoons, uh, you get the impression that there's almost like a, a certain amount of fury or rage or anger or disgust in them. So, you know, it's kind of the opposite of propaganda. It's more like, you know, pointing out the stupidity of believing The op, you know, believing the opposite of what Nass believed, you know? (laughs) Do you kind of get that impression as well from the cartoons?
0: I do, I I do. I see a lot of that latent in them and I can picture him at his desk, you know, sleeves rolled up and furiously working on one of these drawings and They did serve a purpose. He actually created a bunch of characters of Boss Tweed Mm -hmm. and actually brought down that crime ring. Not solely by himself, but his art definitely helped indict Boss Tweed.
1: Yeah, and I think Lincoln and Grant both credited uh, Nast, his cartoons, with helping them get elected. So clearly he was having a pretty uh, pretty big impression on people. He
0: was. He even impressed Mark Twain, a very famous cynic. Yeah. who commented on his, his artwork.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks for clearing that up. So it was faction, you said.
0: Faction. That's
1: a new one on me. I like it.
0: Well, thank you. And um, stick around to learn about which famous symbol graces the walls of Josh's cubicle. And that would be Magnum P.I., symbol of all that is brawny, manly, and right with the world.
1: He's the symbol of uh, my party, the Beach Bump Party. Love Magnum, yeah. (laughs) It it is true. So thanks for telling everybody that. Of course.
0: You You can read even more about these political symbols in Why Are a Donkey and an Elephant the Symbols of the Democratic and Republican Parties on HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. The future is closer than you think, and it all starts in the palm of your hand. You may have heard the news 5G is coming. In this new iHeart series, This Time Tomorrow, presented by T-Mobile for Business, join me, Oswald Oshin, and my co-host, Cara Price, as we walk you through the true revolution in mobility that will change the way we interact with the world around us. Join us and hear just how close we are getting to a more connected future. This Time Tomorrow is now available on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to podcasts. I get past the fluff to what's real. We go there, and it's fun, pretty crazy, and very revealing. Listen to Let's Be Real with Sammy J on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.